Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. I have my good guest back on with us, Randy King from 8020 Conflict Management Strategies. How are you, Randy? I'm doing well, Jim. How are you? <laughs> good. Uh, I understand you're a little bit under the weather, so we'll try to stay cognizant of that and plow through this thing. Um, sounds great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it just is what it is. It seems like there's uh, the funk going around, and it's pre-flu season normally, I feel like, but everybody I know, I feel like, has been sick, including myself. So, um, Yeah, it's up here in Canada, I think flu season comes a bit earlier, but yeah. same thing here. Everybody's been a little sick. It's been frustrating yeah it's crazy it's like uh you know if it's not covid it's something but you know maybe we can all say we've had covid now if nothing else that's true everybody's <laughs> got at least once i'm sure at least once at least once yeah <laughs> so i appreciate you taking time out especially in in the fact that you're a little under the weather right now so thanks for that um you know i was going back looking at our previous podcast and we've done two so this will be our third but Right. It's been, um, it was August of 2020 when we did our first. Uh, it was podcast right. 29 for me, Realities of Violence with you. And then we did one last year in July on de escalation. And now here it is, December of 2022. And we're going to be talking about de escalation for more. So it seems like we're on like a once a year cadence for these. <laughs> I, I like it i like it annually we talk <laughs> <laughs> once every 12 months give or take we're gonna have a conversation and that's good exactly <laughs> and uh yeah for those that listens and and hadn't heard uh randy's in my previous conversations uh podcast 29 and then again podcast 40 so go back and listen to those if you haven't yet but um Certainly happy to have you back on with us again. And we had talked about de-escalation before, and, you know, it's not a sexy topic, I feel like. You know, all the weapons, combatives, and whatever else we can dream up to have a seminar to get folks into the schools or whatever is kind of like the – seems like the norm for things. But de-escalation is important. Um and I think it's right up there in a form of avoidance, right? We've talked about this before. Right. And the nice thing I think, well, I know about de-escalation uh, may not be the sexiest topic in the world, but regardless of who you are, whether you're the bouncer, the fighter, the first responder, military, law enforcement, or the housewife, girlfriend, whatever, de-escalation plays a part for all of us um, and hopefully keeps us out of a lot of trouble. Oh, exactly. And I think that's one of the, the key factors when we talk about any kind of what, what I call proactive skills, aka soft skills, is that yeah. if we truly believe that our goal for self-protection slash self-defense is to avoid the fight, and I mean truly believe it, I don't mean get in your secret stance and know that they can only throw one punch from there and hope it happens. Yeah. I mean, actually trying to not get into a bad situation, then de-escalation is probably your final tool on that path of like avoidance, awareness, uh, boundaries, and then de-escalation. So I really think it's interesting because the last 
three seminars I've done for bar security yeah. uh, at different locations have all been de-escalation se- uh, seminars. I think that while it's not like sexy for our skulls on t-shirts kind of people, <laughs> right. there are Punisher. still a lot of uh, de-escalation is at least in my opinion, coming more to the forefront. Now, of course, this is biased because my company teaches de-escalation. So, of course, they're hiring me for de-escalation. But sure. I digress. Yeah. yeah. No, it's right up there. You know, I think, you know, it's easy enough not to go down the dark alley, right, when we're trying mm-hmm. to get back to our car. It's sure. easy not to be on the road after midnight because nothing good happens out there after midnight. You know, whatever it is, like avoidance is – you know, always in the back of our mind, at least it should be. But I, I wonder if de-escalation and being able to verbally or otherwise diffuse a situation before it really becomes a situation is at the top of folks' mind. And I don't think it's something that's taught normally in the general self-defense community. Agreed. And well, I think the the view that a lot of the general self-defense community takes is something has already happened. Right. So for me, my view on self-defense, self-protection is it's closer to safety training than it is martial arts in that safety training wants no incident to happen. Right. They, they want, they want to avoid all potential dangers where combatives sometimes kind of feed into it in martial arts in general. So with de-escalation, I think it's, it's one of the skills that you're going to use de-escalation way more than you're going to use your rear naked choke defense. Like de-escalation yeah. happens in all areas of your life, not just in the self-protection space, but it's going to happen at work and with your, with your loved ones and maybe your children or partners or right. Like that angry yeah. person on the street. It's, it's such a critical skill set to have just in general. Yeah, and I know before we jumped on this call, you had said you'd been doing some stuff with bouncers, which I find fascinating because mm-hmm. they have to be really disappointed to come to a self-defense personal safety coach such as yourself and then be like, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about de-escalation, guys. There's none of that rear naked choke stuff going on here today. But but it's interesting, you know, and I think you make a good point. Well, I know you make a good point where it has a place in you know bouncing bars whatever you want to call that whatever that's officially titled um the workplace like there's a lot of emotion and anger sometimes in the workplace and then in personal relationships too and i think you know going back to the whole avoidance and how de-escalation fits in like it has just as much viability in our personal relationships as it does anywhere else. So maybe that's kind of like where we can go today is talk about like the bar scene, the work scene, and then how de-escalation can be used in our personal relationships. Yeah, that sounds great. I think it's interesting. So when the last security job that I did for uh, a bar here in Edmonton, uh, they actually requested de-escalation and I was like, Oh, that's new. Right. Like, so, cause yeah, I, I surprise, like, yeah. Like when I go to, when somebody hires me, I'm definitely more known for the, the physical skill set. And like, I was a bouncer for such a long time and did yeah. all that close protection stuff. And, uh, but now they're hiring me for de-escalation. And I think the reason why is we're starting to see both with like, ah, there's a couple of things. Number one is generational. 
like this generation of humans is much less physical in nature, just in general. Sure. Right. They're not playing rough and tumble sports anymore. They're communicating through screens. I think the next thing, too, is insurance companies like insurance companies are obviously biasing no physical contact. So sure. the, no. the industry out there of, of force professionals, at least in areas like private security, are definitely looking for more functional training on ways that people don't have to go physical, if not for at least the purpose of, look, we took this course, <laughs> we tried, and then we went physical. CYA, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah. they're, they're covering it. And so <laughs> I thought it was very interesting. Um, and also, I was shocked at how engaged my last two groups were because I do a course called Realities of De-Escalation for Bar Security, it's specifically designed for them. Yeah, and I I expected honestly like a lot of eyes to glaze over and a lot right. of like checking their phone and looking at the time because that would have been me like back <laughs> yeah, then right. I would like roll your eyes right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah this guy's gonna tell me how to talk better nice super safe nice but they were they were so they were so engaged really good questions really good feedback. And I was just, I was super impressed now not to take any skill away from me. I'm, I'm I'm entertaining quote unquote as a presenter, but they, they definitely were way more invested than I thought they were. I didn't have to work that hard to get them engaged. So there seems to be a shift in mindset, at least in that segment of people being like, yeah, maybe we do need to learn how to deescalate a little bit better. Yeah. So I got to not to throw you under the bus this early on our conversation. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> but but I have to ask, like, how do they feel that a skill like, and I don't really know how to ask this, so I'm winging it as we go here, like we said we were yeah, going to do. How yeah. do you feel that a, a soft skill like mm-hmm. de-escalation fits into the, uh, talking about bouncers and bars, how do you mm-hmm. think a soft skill like that fits into the inebriation drunk scene? How do you work that, that, that in? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think while being drunk and inebriated does make some people <laughs> hyper-aggressive yeah. and hard to deal with, yeah. it's not everybody, right? And honestly, like going through my past, because I get to speak from a high horse now, but I wasn't the best at communication when I was first bouncing a lot of the encounters or engagements that I had in the bar scene were definitely like I escalated the situation because people were supposed to listen to me because I'm the bouncer. Right. Authoritative. Exactly. And I, I honestly do believe that a lot of conflict, which sometimes leads to violence is based off of people just feeling like they're not being heard. And it's very easy to, write off a drunk person's opinion because they're drunk, right? Even if they're correct, you're like, oh, but you're drunk, so we're not going to listen. And just fine. And again, not all the time. This is what 80-20, the whole point of my company is. Sometimes you have to go physical. Like you can do all the de-escalation avoidance in the world. Sometimes things are going to go physical. They just don't need to go physical as often as I think they do. And that's where these bouncers were, were starting to notice the problem because we live in a very interesting time where most of us were locked down for two years, right? Like a lot of us couldn't leave our houses yeah. for chunks of time yeah. and our social skills degraded like so badly, <laughs> right? So. Because, yeah. Right. Well, all you did was watch your favorite shows, hang with your favorite people, like work from work and order your favorite food. And now people are going back out there 
with no social skills. There's there are people that started the lockdown, at least where I live, the drinking age is 18. They oh, wow. started as 16 year olds, 16, two years of nothing. Now they're getting drunk in public. Like that's that's a big shift. Yeah. <laughs> so and they had no way to learn that. So yeah. I really do think that communication is becoming important. And even if the person is drunk, if they feel like they're being heard, if they feel like uh, that that they're actually having a conversation with this person and they're not just being shot down because they're drunk and they're not just being picked on because of their situation, then it can de-escalate it. Because a lot of the time somebody's screaming at you, at least in my experience at the bar, they're not, they don't want to fight the bouncer. Some do, but very rarely. <laughs> right. But they don't want to fight the bouncer because they want to fight the bouncer. They want to fight the bouncer because their friends are inside and they need them to know they got kicked out. Or, um, you know, it's somebody's birthday or whatever. And so having this de-escalation we've seen does work. It's, it unfortunately comes to a problem. And again, speaking purely from experience as a bouncer of being frustrated with drunk people, right? Like it's, it's most bouncers. It's their second job, right? It's not their first job. It's their second job. They're trying to save money. They're going to school. They're exhausted. And then the 80th drunk person says they know the manager, right? You're like, oh my God, I don't care. Right. And so just learning how to de-escalate first ourselves and then communicate with these people has been shown at least the small samples we have to bring it down. So to answer your question the longest way possible, there there, <laughs> there definitely is there definitely is some uh, even if the person is inebriated, even if the person is high in some way, we can still use de-escalation skills most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, makes makes sense. What do you think the most I, I in the in the bouncing community? What do you think the biggest challenge is for de-escalation to work effectively? Aside from the alcohol, a hundred percent. I think we said this on the last episode. So, of course, listeners go listen to that episode. Yeah, but yeah. to repeat it, uh, I think it's it honestly is de-escalating ourselves first. Because yeah. again, like I mentioned, second job, third job, super tired. This is the 80th person that's tried to big time you, right? But this is the one that actually <laughs> should be able to. Like, there's, there's just so much um, exhaustion. I remember just a level of frustration. And you get to a point where you think, like, you get to a point where every drunk person just seems like a pattern of the next drunk person. And so you start treating every person the same, the same because the last nine were exactly the same. Yeah. And then the unique number 10 comes up. You're like, nah, you're like the last nine and you don't actually listen to this person. Yeah. And it's, it's very tough. So I think that would be one of the, one of the hardest ones. And I think the second, the second area where a lot of security teams get in trouble with de-escalation because security teams have a benefit that you and I don't have in regular communication, which is they, the person that physically escorts somebody outside or the person that, you know, is the one that stops the fight or gets in the middle, isn't the one that has to deescalate. They can tap themselves out and put somebody else in. And then it's a fresh face that the patron is not mad at anymore. Right. And so it becomes much easier to deescalate. And that's but a technique, pro- right? I mean, I mean, it is a hundred percent. We yeah. teach to every, every, uh, I say doorman, door staff, that's Canadian, but Every bouncing team that I teach, that's like number one is learn when to tap yourself out. If you're enraged and they're enraged, yeah. get out of there. Get somebody else fresh inside. Yeah. And, you know, not to talk too much about the bouncing techniques of the world, but I think that's a key one because to your point, it's not your first job. 
you've had a long day in the corporate world or the construction site, whatever it is you do. Yep. And you need to keep your anger, your fatigue, and your ego in check, and therefore just shuffle them off to someone else, and you've just made the situation that much better because you've removed yourself. Exactly. And that's like our key tenet for de-escalation, right? Is de-escalate yourself first before you try to de-escalate others. Because you, if you're enraged, the odds of you calming somebody else down yeah. are very low. Yeah. So if you can find that, and like you said, right? Like, okay, I'm, I'm surviving off of three Red Bulls. I'm an hour 15 <laughs> right? of me being away. Right? right. Like you might not be making the best level-headed choices. That's okay. So have, have that understanding. Yeah, three three Red Bulls and two Monster Energy drinks in, we may not exactly. be making the best choices. <laughs> exactly. So the bouncing community, I think there's a huge opportunity there to continue learning more about de-escalation and mm-hmm. keeping things in check from that well, angle. There is, and what better place to practice, too, right? Like, if you could de-escalate yeah. a random angry 21 year old on their birthday you can probably escalate a lot of other people anyone like right <laughs> yeah. like you see all kinds of, of stuff in bars that you don't see anywhere else and exactly so, and, and so yeah if you get that if you get that exercise there you're better poised in other situations that you might find yourself in and with that being exactly. said you know the bar scene the bouncing scene isn't what most of our listeners are going to deal with so right. how can that translate to the workplace for example so with the workplace we have there's a bunch of like little kind of tips we can throw in here but again yeah. and i'm going to keep repeating it right number one learning like we're designed to take things personal like that's that's how our brain relates to stuff is we make it personal that's how we identify with it and so if we can first learn to like calm ourselves down and not take it personal that'll be step one to to making almost all encounters better and even when i used to run the debate show when i had it was in the podcast for debates yeah like i if i felt myself getting emotional about the topic i started losing the debate because I started having like this, this personal, like I had to be right or I had to win. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of us, especially in the corporate world, get into trouble is the need to be the need to be personally right as opposed to achieving the goal. Right. So yeah. if two of us are working on a project and 90 percent of our argument is whose name goes first on the report. Like that, that's a problem because the goal was get the report done. Right. Right. But once we need to be personally correct, that's where things tend to slow down. I had a thought so, just now and it slipped my mind. So go ahead. <laughs> no worries. So, so that's what, that's where we like preach de-escalate yourself first. It's very, it's difficult to do. This is not easy. Like I could say, it's almost like a thought ending cliche. Oh, just de-escalate yourself. And you have to stop thinking. No, it's, it's constant. And you're going to find yourself triggered and you're going to find these little petty things. And, you know, we go on to boundaries all the time because it's very interconnected topics. But like, if you're, if you, if you're exhausted every other part of your life and workplace is the only place you can, you know, get that feeling of power, then the odds of you having no conflict is going to be lower, especially if people are trying to get into your space. So when we're looking at, just kind of conflict in general, uh, because without there's no de-escalation without conflict. 
First of all, we look at the conflict. If we can make the conflict resolved without anybody getting enraged, there's no de-escalation needed. If the person yeah. does start getting upset with you, we have to look at what is the problem. You, people try to solve people, right? They try to figure out how do I make how do I make Jim different, and mm-hmm. that's that's not what you're there for, right? You're there to solve the problem. So if you take it off the person and go back to the problem, you can usually find a way to calm it down so nobody's taking it personally and nobody's getting elevated. I'm having multiple thoughts here at once, so let me see if I can articulate this. So I think, you know, the first thing that comes to mind of what we're dealing with, it seems like, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, is it doesn't matter if you're bouncing a bar, dealing with bar patrons or a workplace or anything else, any other scenario for that matter, we're dealing with ego. Yes. And so you have to recognize that and keep that in check. But the point that I had a moment ago that I was blanking <laughs> out on that I wanted to circle back to is we have heard and read over time that, you know, when we feel ourselves getting angry, when we feel ourselves not right. responding the way we should have and we should in these using these soft skills we should take time we should leave the scenario go away whatever it is and then come back to it but in the heat of the moment especially in the workplace that may not always be an option i agree 100 percent. and the the walk away you know go for a walk that's kind of that's very much based off of like stress response mitigation, like mitigating adrenaline, cortisol, et cetera. Yeah. You can do that with just kind of like, well, there's lots of ways that you can do it, mindfulness or box breathing or whatever. But honestly, like a deep breath is going to solve a lot of problems. And it's, it's so, it's so intrinsic and it's so built into our language with something like just take a breath. Yeah. Tell me what happened. Right. <laughs> like these, yeah. these things became, they're so in our language that we forget what they are. But if honestly, like if you feel yourself starting to get enraged, if you take a deep breath, right. And then honestly acknowledging, Hey, sorry, I'm starting to feel some big feelings here. Yeah. Let me calm it down. One more time. What were you trying to say? You, it's going to make just a world of difference, but that deep breath signals your body that things are calming down. Cause when you're heated, you have shorter breath. It's more rapid. And so once you go, and then you take that deep breath and you calm it. Just even one, it's going to start signaling to your brain, hey, you're not in danger here. Right. What is actually going on? And that's where we start to get into trouble. Yeah. The breathing point is great. There's so many different breathing techniques that you can do to mm-hmm. relax and just refocus and get yourself in check, which is, you know, when you're de-escalating a situation, we think in terms of how are we responding to another individual in the situation. But right. just as equally important is de-escalation has to do with how we're reacting to a situation and what we're doing for ourselves, you know, to ourselves in that moment as well. Well, exactly. I think like we all have personal biases and we all have these, these things in our head that, that make us uh, take in information in a certain way. And sometimes we jump skip information because of an existing pattern. Right. So for example, 
I have an action bias. I assume like there's always limited time to get something done, but that's not, that's not true. That's not true in 99% of the cases, right? Yeah. But if somebody's talking to me, my action bias might kick in and then I'm not going to hear what the person is saying. So yeah. that deep breath, like for me personally, that deep breath and active listening has solved so many problems, right? Just like, oh, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. What did you say one more time that they say that I repeat it? And they're like, that's not what I'm saying. Like, oh, go ahead. And then when they clarify, I'm like, oh, we're actually saying the same thing or right? Like we're, right. we're kind of very similar. But because a lot of us are listening to respond, not listening to listen, oh, we're yeah. waiting for our turn. We, we don't hear everything. And especially if you walk in already frustrated. So if we go to the workplace and there's Johnson over there and you hate Johnson, right? <laughs> Johnson, Johnson can walk up to you with yeah. like the greatest solution. Like, yeah. get out of here, Johnson. I and hate you're you, like, right? nope, because I'm done. <laughs> exactly. Cause it's, there's yeah. no way this guy could have a good idea. It's like, if one hit him in the head, he wouldn't know what it is. Right. Yeah. And so. So we miss these. And so if again, that deep breath and just repeating or mirroring or however you want to look at it, yeah, you'd be surprised. Like it's, for me, the amount of time just being like, I'm sorry, this is what I'm hearing. And then being like, that is not what I meant. I am sorry. I'm like, oh, this is why I'm mad because the word you used is not the way I use a word and, or it's maybe even phrasing, right? Like I love to tell a story about this. English is very, uh, is very subjective. Yeah. Because the words we choose, like there's like 12 words for big in English. That's too many words for big. But so people will use these words in different ways. And the one that I always go to is the word a lot. A lot. So yeah, yeah, a lot. A lot is a strange word because for for me, let's let's use blood for an example. (laughs) If somebody tells me there's a lot of blood, that's like four liters, a gallon of blood. That's right. a lot of blood. That's, that's a lot like the, of blood, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's like the body shutting down. Yeah. I remember my daughter got hurt. She cut her finger. And she's like, Dad, I cut my finger. And I'm like, is there blood? She went, yep, a lot. A and lot. I ran in there with, with my level of a lot. I'm like, oh my God, my <laughs> daughter's Turn it bleeding in hand. Out. So, exactly. <laughs> so I grabbed the first aid kit. I split yeah. in. And my, to my daughter, a lot of blood is any blood. Right. Yeah. So, I got a I got a nosebleed, that, Dad. <laughs> exactly. That's a lot of blood to her is yeah. a nosebleed. To me, a lot of blood is like you're pale now. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's the thing, right? If I walk in with my bias to that conversation and respond with my biases on her communication, we're gonna run into trouble, right? Yeah. There's just no way around it. Yeah. And so just reiterating like uh, I had a business meeting recently. We're looking at hiring a social media manager. Sure. And of the guy are. that I'm working with, pardon me? I said, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> of course I am. And so I can't be doing this stuff all the time. You can't do so, it all the time. Exactly. So we're doing this. We're looking at he. The way it was pitched to me was we're looking for a, a social media manager. And I'm yeah. like, I don't need a social media manager. And they're like, what do you mean? And then when we finally got down to it, he didn't mean a manager. He meant a, like an account manager who specialized in social media. And I was like, oh, I want one of those because they can book deals for me. I'll pay for that, but I'm not going to pay for somebody to update my Instagram. Are you insane? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But there again, right. That was a regular conversation having with a business associate of mine. And we hit an impasse just because the way he phrased that term yeah. was not what the 
the roles and duties of that term were different in my head than his. Yeah. And I think you hit on a good point, either directly or indirectly, that I picked up on. And that is in the cases of de-escalation, it's really paramount that we're not distracted, that we're not uh, on our phones, you know, social media or whatever, when we're trying to resolve this particular situation at hand in front of us, which in normal communication in these days, I contend is the norm, right? Like, can you put your phone down long enough to finish up this conversation with me? (laughs) Hey, and, and, you know, it's not just the smartphone and the social media, but it's also, hey, can you actually listen to what I'm telling you and not listen for what you want to say to me next. Yeah. It's so key in de-escalation, right? You really have to be in tune to what that person is going through, what they're trying to tell you, their perspective on things, you know, spinning that lazy Susan, which we may have talked about in our last chat. Right. Yeah, we did de-escalation, right? Like, put all that stuff aside and really try to tune in because otherwise you're just going to piss them off that much more. And that's completely opposite of what we're trying to get out of de-escalation. Oh, exactly. And you're right. Especially with like the, um, the distractions and the phones. Like, so I used to be number one offender of my <laughs> phone was always in my hand. Like yeah. the worst I've actually, I put a lot of work in and I actually, now when I'm talking to somebody, my yeah. phone's not even on the table anymore. It's in my pocket. Yeah, I just leave it alone and then I talk to the person as a person and then I check my messages after. But yeah. you're right, like that distraction or like you said, right, waiting to respond or waiting, waiting for their turn to say the thing that they want to say like that. That is such a problem. We're trying to have a genuine conversation, especially if emotions are involved. Yeah. And I think it's a it's got to do with respect and being cognizant of the other individual's ego, too, and how that yeah. might be, you know, uh, fueling things, so to speak. Well, exactly. It's like going all the way back to the original conversation on bars, right? That's what I said is half these drunk people just want to be heard, right? <laughs> right. If, if somebody doesn't feel like they're being heard, they're going to become more and more of a problem until they get the attention they believe they need. And whether it's right or wrong is not really the case, but they're going to, just hear them. They're going to get it somehow. And this happens in the workplace too, right? Yeah. That squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of situation. Like we're going to, somebody's going to keep causing problems. We're not going to be able to stop that until we actually understand what this person needs. And they might not even know what they need. That's another thing that people don't talk about in de-escalation is we assume that like everybody's level-headed in these conversations and they have like, they have like this Machiavellian chessboard <laughs> of what they're trying to get from you. Yeah. And half the time they're not. Half yeah. the time you're arguing about dishes and they're actually just mad that you forgot their birthday a week ago. Right? Like yeah. the, de- the argument is happening and the de is happening. This isn't even the root problem. This is just this is just the symptom of the actual problem that's happening back here. Yeah. And so actively listening and trying to find that is, uh, it's, it's impressive. I remember with my wife, we had this exact problem. We were arguing about something dumb and I was like, well, I don't understand why you're mad about this. <laughs> and then it, we wheeled it all the way back down to, she felt ignored a couple of days ago and it's like, Oh, so this is what you're about. Okay. So this is what I have to deescalate right here. This is not, not this thing. This is just what we're doing right now. Yeah. This is the manifestation of this rage. Right. Yeah. And so like they might not even know 
what the problem is. They're just working from an emotional state of I've been offended or a boundary's been crossed and I can't articulate what's going on. So sometimes, depending on how deep your relationship is, you might have to be a little bit Sherlock Holmesy and start to, being a detective to find out what the issue is. So not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but what comes to my mind is the limbic system, right? And it's almost next to impossible to apply logic and reason or even vocabulary to that. It's just the way we're made to feel. Yeah. Um, and dealing with that can add a whole new level of stress and uh, you're not hearing me and exactly right or yeah or i said that you know <laughs> what i don't understand what's happening and everybody's getting heated nobody's listening but you're right like once you're in that limbic part of you once you're in that limbic system your your brain is doing something different it's no longer trying to problem solve it's trying to like keep itself safe that's a different place and if we can't pull them back into that critical thinking place in their brain if we can't pull them out of those feelings and into like a logical conversation yeah. even though they might think they're being logical while they're upset it's not they don't go together but if we can't do that then we're going to have a lot of trouble de-escalating the situation and then that's where a walk away would be a good idea right like yeah. if if somebody's like really heated and they're like you know that's when you take a walk right but there's been yeah. lots of places where two people have been critically thinking and they're they're starting to get heated. And that's where just your deep breath's going to happen. Because of course, each one of these situations is going to be different. But as a general rule, like if, if the person's not even hearing you at all, it might be time to take a break. Yeah. yeah. Take a break. Keep the ego in check and breathe and come back with thoughts about what you want to say that the other person might hear. Exactly. Get and through. Yeah. And if you can honestly, and I know this isn't for everyone. I had a, a discussion with somebody on a like local radio host here and he's like, he can't, he can't back down. It's not in him. Apparently <laughs> I'm like, that's fine. You're like 50 now. It should be fine. You're probably a problem when you were younger. Um, if, if you, if you have the, the wherewithal to realize that appeasing their ego might get the job done faster yeah. Yeah, there's some that's a, that's almost a superpower of yeah. like productivity is being like, OK, so you need to have this light shone on you. Feel free, because a lot of the time, not always, most of the time, people know who's doing the work. People know who just wants the attention. Right. If you just keep doing the thing you're doing, you're probably going to get noticed. Yeah. So the one thing that I don't think, well, I'm pretty certain we have not. Uh, the one thing sure. we have not spent a lot of time on is how de-escalation can have a place in personal relationships. And also, yeah. unlike a lot of self-defense schools and approaches to things, you know, it's it's the bad guy and the then the black ski right. mask. It's getting pulled into the you know, the white van with no windows in it. It's the unknown third party thing that we plan for and do defenses yeah. against in the self defense community. But I feel like that another disservice is not talking about the realities where crimes are committed by folks, you know, either family, right. coworkers, former spouses or current spouses, you know, current significant others, I guess, not spouses. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and how de-escalation certainly has a role there. 
absolutely. Uh, but I think we're going to put a real big caveat on this is de-escalation is only going to work in a healthy relationship. The only place de-escalation is going to work in a toxic relationship is to buy time to get out to of get there out. and not return. Right. Yeah. So this is a, like you hit it right on the head. Right. I sure we talked about this in our first podcast. I, I harp on it all the time. But like you said, right, we prepare for stranger danger. But if you look at the numbers, <laughs> that is not that is the not lion's it. share of violence that's happening. Right. The victim knows the attacker. It's simple as yeah. that. And it's, it's hard to talk about because the answers are way squishier on this side of fence, mm, right? It's easy yeah. when it's a bad guy in a mask. It's hard when it's grandpa and your daughter, right? Yeah. Like they're, it's a different, it's a whole different emotions, uh, of attachment, right? You don't have that with Ex- a stranger. <laughs> exactly. There's no social pressure. There's no, what if they think I'm lying? There's just all this, so much stuff. So when we talk de-escalation, de-escalation helps in healthy relationships and it makes those relationships better. De-escalation is not going to help in an abusive cycle. It's not going to help in domestic violence in any stretch of the imagination. Again, unless you're just calming them down to leave and never to get out. Right. To get out. Right. Um, this is where, where like, especially when it comes to interpersonal relationships, I really hammer on the boundary setting stuff because boundary setting is the litmus test for people in your life. If somebody you meet doesn't respect your boundaries, then you shouldn't spend time with that person, period. You should figure out a way to work around it so you don't get in the situation. But if you're already in it, the escalation will make uh, will make a good partnership better. Simple as that. If you, if you know how to listen, if you know how to articulate, if you know how to put your ego aside for five seconds and just, just take out the garbage or whatever you had to do, yeah. right? Like it, it's going to make things easier. There's a joke, a uh, happy, happy wife, happy life. I know it's not super inclusive, but, yeah. but it's true, right? If your partner is happy, your life is going to be easier. Do you have to eat crow sometimes? You have to let their ego win sometimes. Sure. And if it's a good relationship, they'll do it to you as well. Yeah. Um, but in the personal stuff, like de-escalation is, I think it's one of the best ways to make, to make something, something that's okay to good way, way better. You can learn how to communicate. You can learn what the issues are, and then you can start finding things like way ahead of time, right? Like just, you, I know a friend of mine, he's very good with his partner. He, he like he can tell by her text if he should bring home a snack. Like he's like, Oh, all right. Like this is this is gonna go bad. I'm gonna grab something on the way home. Right? Like, go go ahead and stop by and grab something on the way home because I know. Ex- exactly, right? Yeah. So like for me, for example, sometimes I'm lazy and I uh, skip the dishes, which is like a Uber Eats type thing, and I order coffee to the house instead of making it to Starbucks. Yeah. I live in the suburbs now and it's a little bit of a drive. Sure. And when I order one, no matter what, even if she's dead asleep, I order her one too. It's going to save me problems <laughs> yeah. later on. You'll hear about it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think like practicing de escalation is really good. And it's especially good if you want to stay in the relationship you're in, right? Like my yeah. daughter's 14 now. She just got her learner's permit. She's, nice. she's no longer as much my little buddy as she is her own little adult. Yeah. So we're starting to get to some like pushback. Yeah. And I've been I've been very blessed. Me and my kid have been like besties up until now. And now she's, you know, a fourteen year old girl and I don't have that experience. Yeah. So I don't know what she's doing or going through. And so like even then, like when she starts to come at me, because teenagers <laughs> come in hot, right? 
That's where de-escalation shines like nobody's business. My daughter doesn't hate me yet because I can de-escalate her raging hormones in that situation, right? Yeah. Because she's mad. She doesn't even know why she's mad. And I'm like, all right, let's let's, let's figure this out. Yeah. Right? Without being condescending, without being like, it's my way or the highway. Right. That's where de-escalation shines is, is in maintaining these relationships when people are going through things. Like, you could have the perfect marriage, but maybe your partner's parent dies. Yeah. And now they're not they're, they're not themselves. Having yeah. strong de-escalation skills are going to get you through that time when your partner's going through a high-impact event or, or crisis, right? Yeah. This is why I think these skills are so important. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as we're talking about the domesticated stuff, which we are, I can't yeah. help but think that there is much like any other de-escalation situation. If you can, there is merit to leaving. And going away, mm-hmm. going oh, yeah. to get an ice cream cone, going to have a beer at the bar, you know, that exactly. might not be so great for you. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like, whatever it is, like leaving yeah. the situation, taking those breaths, leaving the situation and coming back later, right? That That's a key component to de-escalation, even in, domestica- in domesticated situations. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, if going to the bar with your friends calms you down, that might be a good move. But it could be, too, right? Like, all right, we're both heated. I'm going to go hit the gym. You yeah. go do the thing that calms you down. Yeah. And let's, 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 let's meet again. There's a TikTok trend right now about that. There's a therapist that's like, me and my husband, when we argue, we go both work out for 20 minutes and come <laughs> back and talk about it. Yeah. I'm like, that's so smart. If you have the wherewithal to go work out, I can see myself being like, I don't need to work out. You just get out of here. I'm just going right? to sit but, right here. Right. Exactly. I'm going to pout. You do that thing. It'll be fine. But th- there is some, there is some method, right? Taking a breath, going for a walk. I think, yeah. I think somebody being like, oh, let me just go for a walk around the block has probably saved so many marriages. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Unbelievable numbers. Being willing to go <sighs> take the walk. And when I yeah. say that, I think, cause you know, we've all, if we're honest about things, we've all experienced things that have caused us to do things that we may not have chosen to do if we had been smart about it. But I think that there's a lot of merit. We find ourselves in these heated moments where we think it's important or the priority should be on solving them in the moment. And when you're heated, that's not necessarily the best time. So taking those breathing breaks or going for a walk around the block or taking the dog, you know, maybe it's a great time to take the dog to, you know, (laughs) whatever around the block. Like, right. There are moments in time where we should have like walked away for the moment so that we can come back and resolve this in a better manner. Right. Instead of fighting through in the moment. And that's part of the de-escalation process too. I, I agree hundred percent. There's there's you don't need to add time pressure when there isn't time pressure. Right? If you've been married for fifteen years, this <laughs> argument can sit for five minutes. It's gonna right. be okay. Yeah. Right? There's no there's no <laughs> need to solve it's not a bomb that's gonna go off, right? You can take a minute and solve it, but we like the humans, like, again, I have that action bias, right? So yeah. I, I want to solve it now. We got to yeah. figure this out. Yeah. Don't go to bed angry. Yeah. But sometimes you can sleep on it and wake up and be like, I'm, I'm a jerk. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and this is the, this is the paradox of relationships is 
the closer somebody gets to you, the more they can affect your emotional state, right? Like, yeah. There's a reason why every time there's a murder, they look at the the, the husband and wife first, right? Because who yeah. else can make you mad enough to kill someone <laughs> than your wife, right? Yeah. Or your husband. Like, yeah. Oh, you're so yeah. close. Or a sibling, no secret. Right? Yeah. Like, right. It's and it's so like because and that's 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 the that's the problem. That's the paradox, right? Is is I love you so much, I can only get this mad at you. <laughs> like it's so stupid. I would never get this mad at a stranger, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because they get and obviously they there's get, a limit to that. They they get your goat because they know you so well, and they're closer to you than anywhere else than anyone else. Exactly. So then again, right? If you can de-escalate that situation, that de-escalating the random stranger you see at work for fifty minutes as a client, or the annoying coworker you see for two hours a day, is going to be a lot easier because they're not nearly as close to you ideally as your partner is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, circling back to kind of where we started on this domesticated side of things, we said that de-escalation really doesn't work unless you're trying to finagle your way out, like manipulating the situation, working the system, so to speak, to find an out. Can we talk about that for a minute? Like for those that are, you know, wondering how this might apply for them in their horrible situation, like what they can expect, what they should try, like. Sure. So de-escalation mostly works on what we call the social side of violence, right? So the asocial side, de-escalation might be more buying time, um, et cetera, when we're talking about like predators, but most conflict happens on the social side where egos are involved. Yeah. And so, if we look at it, the best model I have for this is most arguments come from one of four places. So they're either based off of status. Who am I? Like, I'm important, right? So we use the bar as an example. Somebody might give you conflict because they know the manager. And so they believe they have the status. You're not recognizing those status. Yeah. So you get conflict from there. You get conflict from membership in the group. Like, where do I fit? This is my daughter. She's no longer a child. Where does she fit in the family now, right? Is she a secondary person? Is she a first-class citizen? Where does she fit, right? Yeah. Then we have um, protocols, which are like the rules of the group where you have that person works. Like, that's not how we do this here, <laughs> right? So yeah. we have status, protocols, membership, and then last is territory, right? This is my stuff. That's my girlfriend. That's my parking spot. You cut me off in traffic in my lane. Ownership, so yeah. What, yeah. So what we need to do is first find out which one of those four things is the issue. Is this a status issue? Is it a membership issue? Is it a rules issue? Or is it a territory issue? Right? Because once you figure that out, you can really find the way to de-escalate from that position, right? So you're in a bar, you knock somebody's drink over, that's a territory problem, right? Hey, that's my drink, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Let me buy you a drink. Yeah. You might be able to solve it right there, right? It could be a status thing, right? Oh, doesn't matter. Nobody spills this drink in my bar. I'm the <laughs> boss. Oh, you're the big guy around here? I didn't know I'm relatively new, right? Right on. So, yeah, with, yeah right on. Good to know. You're the guy I'll come to. My yeah. apologies. Let me get you a shot as well, Yeah. right? Yeah. So if we can find out where the root cause of this is, it's going to make it easier. Is it is it a is it a membership thing, right? Like the person doesn't feel like you belong in this group, and so they're going to try to push you out and bully you. Where you see with like office gossip patterns and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but once I know which one of these four issues it is, 
then I can start working that system. Then I can start thinking, okay, I know what the goal is. I need to, I need to figure out what rule I broke and how to fix that. Or I need to figure out um, what this person's status is and how I can adjust myself to it to make this function. Yeah. Um, for the women out there dealing with abusive boyfriends, family mm-hmm. members, spouses, relative to de-escalation, what would be your top bit of advice there? My top bit of advice, I think, in that situation is that there has to be another step past just de-escalation. What people tend to do is they tend to go to their highest level of comfort in conflict and then just bounce around at that level without cycling to the next level, right? So if you're in a, if you're honestly, if you're in a domestic abuse cycle, you know, de-escalation probably better than I do. You know how to calm the person down (laughs) because that's, that's right. Like they've done it more than me. Yeah. But if, if any tactic, any tactic, whether it's, avoidance, de-escalation, whether it's choking, whatever, if it's not working after a certain point, it's not time to triple down on it. It's time to move on to the next thing. And this is where people get in trouble is, you know, they're like, well, I tried to de-escalate and then the guy just started punching me. And so I kept de-escalating. Like, why are you de-escalating? It's es- now you got to fight. Like there's, you need to be able to jump to the next level. So my advice would be, if you've already masterfully de-escalated this person, you have to do it every single week. De-escalation isn't working because it's not changing the behavior of this person. Yeah. You're just maintaining the status quo. You might need to take a deep look and say, hey, all right, what's the next step? Because I can't spend my life walking on eggshells forever. Yeah. That's a great point. Randy, this has been good, man. Another uh, Awesome. I was wondering if we could get through a whole nother podcast on de-escalation, <laughs> but I think we've just proven that we can because it's Definitely. it's endless, right? Yeah. And it's an important skill that I don't know that everyone possesses, but hopefully after listening to these, they're thinking about things and how they could go about things different, if nothing else, like, you know, taking a break, breathing, keeping the ego in check, and certainly focusing on the conversation at hand and not being, you know, thinking about what you can say next or being on your smartphone, responding to text, you know, those sorts of things. So this has been good. And I appreciate you uh, jumping on here again. Like we're on this path of one time of year (laughs) at this point. I love it. Anytime you want me. I love it. Once a year, at least, for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I appreciate you being here. How can people find you, get get a hold of you? Easiest way, Jim, is just to go to either, well, honestly, randykinglive.com routes to my website. So just go to randykinglive.com. It's easy to remember. Or social media, all the same thing. Unless you're on TikTok, <laughs> if your listeners are on TikTok, then I'm, I'm at at Defense Talks with Dad, and it's actually my daughter's channel. And <laughs> she, she she asks me self-defense questions, and then I answer them. So we're on there as well if you're TikTokers. That's awesome. Randy, yeah. I appreciate it. Good talking to you again, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again next year in 2023. 20, uh, so it's a date. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks so much. 